Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, everyone. Happy almost Valentine's Day. In honor of Valentine's Day coming up, actually, I debated today. I was like, do I wear my Titans jersey? They were so close to making the, the you know, Super Bowl this year, but they let me down. Uh, but I said, you know, I'm gonna, go with, I'm gonna go with the love theme today. So in honor of today and Valentine's Day, I'm going to be talking about two of really the most romantic phrases or themes I can think of, which are submission and giving up. Submission. Doesn't it just give you like warm, fuzzy feeling? This is gonna be fun. Um, So I'm gonna jump right in. We are in the middle of a series still called Ephesians in Christ, and um, I'm not gonna go back through all of the weeks we've covered so far, but even in just this short book of the Bible, you can see how much like theology we've covered, how much understanding of who God is and who we are in him. Um, And so it's really been cool to dive in and go a little deeper, and I hope you guys have been reading this book at home on your own, maybe you've got some questions, maybe you've had some additional insights, I'd love to hear that sometime. Uh, But today, we're gonna be focusing on Ephesians 5. We're gonna be looking at the beginning of this chapter and then jumping ahead towards kind of the end. And as we read through this passage today, I want you to notice every time you see the word submission or submit and give up or lay down. So we're gonna go Ephesians 5, one through two. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. I love that phrase, walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved him, us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Okay, now we're going to skip ahead to the last part of this chapter because I feel like that ties into the beginning. So Ephesians 5, 21 through 30 now. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit, to your, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body." So we see that phrase, a couple phrases repeated here, the submission and the laying down piece. And if you are anything like me, you read through this passage and there's a little bit of defensiveness that comes up. There's a little bit of a sense of, wait a second, what exactly are you saying here? And it kind of makes me want to define the terms. What does submission actually mean? And what does giving up actually mean? And so I did that. I looked it up. So submit our understanding, at least in our culture today. Um, I know that language kind of can have a different meaning in its original context, and so that's an interesting study in itself. But our understanding, the word submit is a verb, which means accept 
or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. Don't love that. All right, and then we have give up, which is also a verb, which means to part with something that one would prefer to keep. I don't know that I like that one either. So in both of these definitions, you see there's a similar theme, right, of kind of giving up your will, of of either deferring or yielding to someone else's will, or giving up your own will or your own wants, perhaps, in order to honor someone else. And so... um, even though this passage, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make this point quickly, even though this passage is referring to the context of marriage, I'm not going to park only on marriage today because I feel like this passage actually has a lot of wisdom for everyone, for all of us. And if we look through not only Paul's writings, but through scripture as a whole, you're going to see the idea of what verse 21 talks about. The idea of mutual submission is really a biblical theme throughout, um, throughout the Bible, So I'm going to be focusing more on what it means to have that mutual submission. And I'm also going to be looking at how there's parallels between this this, uh, representation of marriage and husbands and wives submitting and giving up for each other and the way that we are to live in the body of Christ. And actually even the way that God within the Trinity shows what it means to submit and to um, lay down authority. So we're going to be kind of looking at a few different things here. Um, But... I do want to make this statement when it comes to marriage. I think sometimes people will take passages like this and they will make a, make a biblical statement that somehow the man is supposed to be in control completely over a woman. And so and unfortunately, people have used this passage and others to justify abuse of women or over control of women. And I want to say right now, if you are someone who is in that kind of relationship, who is being abused or who is being manipulated it is not biblical. That is not God's design here. And we're going to make it very clear. In fact, this passage really primarily is not, I believe, about who has ultimate authority. It's, it's about love. And so I just want to make that point very quickly. Um, I also want to say to women here, I think that if you're like me, there can be this tendency to say like, okay, well, you know, this is the 21st century. We're, we're, we kind of moved beyond really needing men, right? Like who... I can't tell me what to do. What are we talking about here? Um, in fact, one of my favorite lines from Jurassic Park, if you've seen that movie. Anyone seen Jurassic Park? The, or- the originals. I, I, I still actually haven't seen the new ones. Um, but there's a part in that where the, one of the, the scientists, uh, played by Jeff Goldblum, my life group uh, can, can save their comments for later. Um, but he says, uh, oh gosh, where's the line here? He says, they finally get to the park, they finally get to see the dinosaurs, and he says, okay, so God creates dinosaurs, God destroys dinosaurs, God creates man, man destroys God, man creates dinosaurs. And then the woman paleontologist that he's with, she says, dinosaurs eat man, woman inherits the earth. So I love that line, right? Because I'm like, yeah, woohoo, go women. But at the same time, if I'm honest, I have to, I have to come to God and I have to say, okay, um, I could be reading through this passage and being asking God, well, who, what's the point here? Who, who gets to win, right? Who gets to inherit the world? And that is not the point either. And so for women, I have to say to us too that not all submission is a bad thing because God actually requires it. God demands it of all of us. And there is something important here for us to learn about what it really means to love, to lay down our lives for one another. 
Um, in, fact, in fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 11 through 12, that men are not independent of women, nor are women independent of men. And this is really how God sees the body of Christ as a whole. We're members of one body, as the last verse in Ephesians 5 says. We all belong to each other, and we're all together create this unity and create these, this, um, this beauty through our gifts and serving one another and so aside from maybe just wanting our autonomy or independence, I think that either gender, either any person could read into this text some kind of pride and say, I want to figure out who's the winner here, who gets all the marbles, and maybe we're missing the point. Maybe we're missing the point. So I want to focus today on Ephesians 5.21 and really look at what does mutual submission look like? In my research this week, I came across one article on this word in the Bible and, and specifically on Ephesians 5. And the author of this article said, well, God doesn't really want mutual submission like between a husband and wife or between, you know, whoever. He's like, because what are we doing? Like taking turns submitting? That would be confusing. And I have to say, I, I both agree and disagree with him because, I, again, I do see it has a very um, biblical theme that the Bible tells us to submit to one another, um, that, that that is something that God requires of us. But I also would say I agree with him that it is confusing sometimes, right? Even if you look at those definitions we talked about earlier, the, the submitting versus the laying down, it can be hard to tell where, where submission begins and where laying down someone's life ends. And maybe that's kind of the point. Uh, so as a quick example, I want to play a game here. We're, this is a very, like... Game kind of Sunday. Um, so I'm going to play a game called The Way of Love. It's not romantic, uh, but I am going to need a volunteer. I'm going to end up needing a couple of volunteers. So if someone wants to raise their hand, and I'm going to sweeten the deal. You get to earn some candy. Yes, anyone? Anyone at all? This game is going to go very poorly if no one volunteers to come up here. Hey, come on up. Thank you. <laughs> I was gonna to have to call on our tech team and then hope nothing went wrong with that. All right, thank you so much. Why don't you tell everyone your name? David. David, you? thanks for joining. Now in the spirit of the game, I'm actually gonna to defer to you now and I'm gonna let you pick our next, our next contestant because we need two people up here. Oh, so. Oh. She has the carve out. I see how it is. Brian, Brian Kurt. Hey, excellent. I'm going to move this out of the way. Brian, look at you guys. And everyone's got their, their jerseys. All right. You guys ready? No. That's the spirit. That's what I like to hear. Okay. So first of all, I'm going to need you guys to rock, paper, scissors to see who is the leader here. Okay. Ready? And go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. All right. You know what? So you would think that Brian would be the leader here, but actually, we're going to go to, to David here is going to be the oh, leader. Because in God's economy, you know, he chooses people who we wouldn't expect, and not that I wouldn't expect oh. you to be a leader. That, that came out wrong. <laughs> this is the day they fire me. All right. So the candy is going to be yours, all right? That's, okay. that's in, your, in your possession. Okay. However, the next rule is that you, as the leader, have to actually lay down the candy for the other player. So you're gonna have to now hand over the candy. Both bags, go ahead, let's do it. All right, now, so now, so you're trying to sit here thinking who you'd rather be up here, right? 
You, however, you have control of the candy right now, but you get to decide what we do with the candy. So what do you think? What are we going to do? Give it to the audience. Give it to the audience. That messes up my game. <laughs> we, can, we can go back to that at the end if you want. All right. But all right, so if you had to pick between which one of you gets the candy. I want you to have the candy. Oh my gosh, you're killing me here. But yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And you're one step ahead of me. So you're saying, this was my next rule, was that whatever he decides has to at least mutually be beneficial to, to both of you, if not more beneficial to, to your friend up here. Well, if you swapped it with dollars, I would have kept the dollars. Yeah, oh, so next time, next time I'll do that. So I was going to say, I was assuming you were gonna either take the candy back or whatever, but I was gonna say, you're gonna have to now submit to the decision. So are you gonna submit to that decision or are you gonna? I'll submit to it. Yeah? Keep the candy. All right, win-win. All right, beautiful, thank you guys for playing. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> See, that was, that was, this is how I had it all in my mind playing out, was that they were each going to go with one bag of candy. You're all mad at me now because I didn't let them give each of you some candy, so. So again, um, probably uh, theology through candy game is a little bit uh, missing part of, we're missing something here, right? It's, it's not a complete view of the theology that we're talking about today. But you, you get the idea. In God's world, in God's kingdom, um, submission and giving up is not supposed to look like one person dominating and one person serving. Truly, submission is about how can, how can I honor you? How can I build you up? What does it look like when we are able to share authority and share um, the gifts that God has given us. So, as we've, as we've already studied, no matter what our, our age, our gender, our nationality, um, first, the first reason that I believe um, that God calls us to, to, well, not that, sorry, ah, backing up here. The first reason I believe that this passage is not primarily about authority is that we, we are reminded that Christ ultimately is the one who holds all the authority. Right? We've talked about that this year. We've talked about that last year, even with the study on Colossians. Um, all of us, all of us are co- called to submit to God and lay down our lives to him first and foremost. In fact, I'm gonna be honest. If we are not submitting to God first, there cannot be healthy submission to one another if we are not first submitted and giving up our lives to God. We have to start there. Exodus says this, you shall have no other gods before me Again, we were reminded in the Colossians study that Christ is preeminent. He is in all. He, he is our savior and creator. And so all of our allegiance and our honor goes to him and is due to him. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 reminds us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts, not to lean on our own understanding, but to submit to him and his ways. God says, be holy because I am holy. Right? Everything we do initially and first and foremost is out of deference to God. In the same way, God calls all of us to lay down our lives for both God and then subsequently for others. We see this in Luke 14, 33. Jesus says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. It's a costly surrender that we're called to. Romans 12, 3 says we're to be living sacrifices, right? Daily yielding our lives, taking up our cross, And 1 John 3.16 reminds us, this is how we know what love is. 
Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so we see that phrase again, that Christ laid down his life, and we are to go and do likewise for our brothers and sisters. And again, um, if we're still unsure of whether this passage is about who gets the authority, who gets all the marbles at the end of the day, um, I would like us to actually look for a minute at the context of the Trinity. And the Trinity is, is sort of a mysterious concept in, for, for me in many ways, but it's, it's God as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And we sang that song even today, that we, we praise the Father, we praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. And so it's three persons of God in one being. And if I were to ask you today, which part of the Trinity is in charge, what would you say? Maybe that sounds a little blasphemous to ask. I don't know. It's interesting because I don't think it's easy for us to make that distinction. So I was looking at that this week, and Matthew 28, 18 tells us, this is Jesus speaking. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, so that would seem to suggest Jesus has all the authority in heaven and on earth, but this passage says it was given to him. So who was it given to him by? Well, Philippians 2, 8 through 10 says that because Jesus humbled himself, that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but became obedient to the cross. Because of that, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow every, uh, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Okay, so it seems like God gave this authority to Jesus and Jesus submitted to the cross. Now, do you think that Jesus had to submit? Do you think that God forced him to? Well, John 10 would tell us otherwise. John 10, 17 and 18 says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Okay, so clearly Jesus had authority over his own life. He was able to lay it down and he chose to do it, again, out of love for each and every one of us. And yet it also says that he received the command from his father. So you see in this passage both, both a laying down and a submission, but also an, an, this obedience and this, this free will. And I think it's important for us to look at that. And if that's not confusing enough, John 5, 19 through 23 talks about the way the father interacts with the son again. He says, the, the son can do nothing by himself, but only what he sees his father doing. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Moreover, verse 22, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. So there's like this back and forth, this constant, okay, I'm honoring you, you're honoring me. John 17, one is that same thing. Jesus prays that God would glorify his son, that the son may glorify the father. And then we have the Holy Spirit and we add him into the mix and, and we are told in, um, also in John 16, 13 through 15, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide us into all truth. He's not gonna speak on his own. He's gonna speak what he hears and he will glorify me, Jesus, because it's from me that he will receive what he makes known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. 
And so I know that's a lot of verses right back to back. Um, and in fact, if you, if you wanna look these up later, I do have it in the notes section. You can look at all these references. But the idea here is like, when it comes to authority and glory within the Trinity, it's like a game of hot potato. No one seems to hold on to it, right? The Father's giving authority and judgment to the Son. The Son is glorifying the Father and he's submitting to the Father and the Father has everything, but he's giving it to the Spirit and to the Son. And then the Spirit turns around and gives us all these things that we have the mind of Christ because we have the Spirit in us. And so, again, when it comes to submission, when it comes to authority, if we, if we look at God and say within God himself, we have this picture of give and take, it's a beautiful example to us, um, and not just a beautiful example, but a, um, I think a very powerful um, reminder. And it causes, for me at least, it's, it's very convicting. It makes me think, okay, what am I really doing here? If I'm battling about who's, who's the leader, if I'm battling about who gets authority, then I'm completely missing the point. In fact, one of the markers when we talk about walking in the way of love, one of the markers that we're on that way is that we are laying down our symbol of authority, advantage, or privilege. Essentially, we're living our lives in such a way that we're laying down those things to build up others. Anyone who is in a position of authority is meant to be a servant. They are meant to be an equalizer. Kathy King, in her book, Raise Your Voice, says this. She says, an encounter with God renders a symbol of privilege absolutely unnecessary. An encounter with God renders a symbol of privilege absolutely unnecessary. In other words, when we come in God's presence, when we enter in his kingdom, it doesn't matter what status symbols we have. It doesn't matter what authority we believe we have because in God, in God's presence, it's irrelevant. We have all that we need in him. We have even that song we sing, in his presence, when we are with him and feel the glory of being with him, we don't need anything else. We don't require anything else to be seen, to have an identity as God's child. And so God asks us to remove those symbols because they're not necessary. And he also asks us then when we encounter other people, where can we lay down those symbols? Where can we lay down our privilege and authority to honor others? Tom touched on this briefly last week in his discussion on unity even. He talked about the Jews and the Gentiles and how when you know Paul was a missionary and he was going to the Gentiles and he was trying to share the gospel with them, but for some Jews, they were holding on to certain rituals and certain things that they felt gave them an edge, gave them kind of an advantage over the Gentiles, or maybe gave them more of a sense of importance. And so one of those things was circumcision, which was, again, a ritual that, that was, for them, it was part of um, what they had done for, for so many years as a sign of the covenant between them and God. And Paul is saying, listen, I know, I know why you're doing that, but in Christ, there, there's no need for that. There is no need for any symbol of privilege because God, his blood has brought us near, right? Those who are far and those who are near are both brought close to God through Jesus' blood. Cynthia Long Westfall extends this idea in her book, Paul and Gender. She talks about Galatians 3.28, which says, In Christ there is neither male or female, slave nor free, Fem- uh, sorry, um, oh my gosh, I'm losing my train here. Uh, There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And so Westfall states that if you look at what Paul is in the context of what Paul is saying, his focus on Gentiles shows that he's interested in the status of the disadvantaged members of the pairs, 
right? He's focused on the Gentiles, on the slaves, and on the women, and saying whatever barriers, whatever obstacles are between those, two, those three pairs, God came, he died to remove the barriers so that we have equality and unity before God the power structures are dismantled and the world's version of authority and hierarchy is upended. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus did not die for hierarchy. Jesus died for unity. Jesus died for love for us. And it was costly for him and it will be costly for us, but that is why he died. And he tells us that when you are in authority, when you are leaders, you are not to lord it over others. Luke 22, 24, and 22, 26 reminds us this. The disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, right? Maybe like we are a little bit with this passage, like, okay, what is it saying? Who gets to be in charge? Who gets to be the greatest? And Jesus says, no, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. And so what does this look like? If we're being servants in the body of Christ, especially, when we look at our brothers and sisters here and in the larger context of the church, what does God say to us in the church about submitting to one another? 1 Corinthians 16, 15 through 16 reminds us to submit to those who labor for the kingdom and who work hard in it. Hebrews 13, 17 encourages us to have confidence in our leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. And it reminds us that we do this so that their, um, their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And again, there's this idea that, that actually when, we, when we're mutually, when we're submitting and the leaders are laying down their lives, it benefits each other. It's a mutual um, positive that comes out of that. First Peter 5.5, 5, in the same way, you who are younger submit to your elders, all of you clothe yourselves with humility because God opposes the proud but gives grace and favor to the humble. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 reminds us that there should be no division in the body but that each part should so show equal concern for the others. Because, and again, you look at Romans 12, 4 through 16 that talks about being in the body of Christ and it says again that we, we form in Christ one body and each member belongs to all the others. I was thinking this week, like, um, you know, it's not like we're like a Frankenstein body where like little pieces are put together and sewed on and you can like definitely tell where the hand ends and the arm begins. No, in the body of Christ, we're, we are one, you know, fluid body and we are meant to work together, right? If, if, if our hand decides to just go rogue, it's gonna be to its own detriment and the detriment of the body. We have to all work together to honor one another. And so this means for us that as Christ's body and as children of God, we're all brought near to God through Christ's blood. It means that if we look at this passage, it's not primarily about authority, but about sacrifice. It means that power dynamics should not come into play in, in the marriage or in the body of Christ or in our relationships with anyone. So I want to think for a minute about how this might play out in our daily lives. I know we've talked, I, I, I appreciate you bearing with me because I know I've gone through a whole lot of verses today. Um, but what does this mean? If we want to pull back and just say, what does it look like in our everyday lives for us to live this way, to submit to each other? Um, 
even I was thinking about like my husband and I this week, and there was one day this week where I knew he was having a really hard time, and I, you know, he was overwhelmed, and I said, you know what, do you want to just take a night out? Do you want to just go take a, take a night, take a break, and, you know, catch your breath? Um, I'll put the kids to bed. And my husband, I feel like his response to me really um, stuck with me because it really exhibits this idea of mutual concern. He responded to me and said, okay, that would be great. But he said, I know you've been, you've been stressed, you've been overwhelmed. I don't want to take advantage of you. So I want to make sure that you're really okay with this before I say yes. And I just love that thought of, okay, he wanted to accept that gift, but he also did not want to take advantage. And I think that's an important thing. When we look at our relationships, are we taking advantage Are we taking advantage of other people, even their offers to be kind or nice? Or are we looking and saying, okay, you know, you're serving me and I want to accept that, but I also don't want to take advantage. Now, I say that and you might think, oh, they're such a great couple. Well, later this week, I I think my exact words to my husband were, um, you've had the remote all day. I'm taking it now. And if I have to watch one more person curling, so help me. (laughs) So... I have some room to grow in that area. Um, and that's another thing. We're gonna notice that you may, one day, you may, you may be like, oh my goodness, I was so loving. I was so serving. I was so generous to my spouse or my coworker or my whatever. And then the next day you might find yourself, yeah, like snatching back the remote. God gives grace. He's, we're gonna be in this process, right? There's gonna be some give and take. Um, if I look at the, this church, um, there are people who at different times, believe it or not, have not loved a decision that the church has made. Right? Well, that's, I'm sure that's shocking to everyone. Um, and you know what? I get that. I think that I've, I've been on the other side of it where I've been frustrated about something, but I can think of specific people who have felt maybe frustrated about something that happened at the church, and they chose to stay. And they chose to say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay. I'm going to submit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to serve this body, even though this part may be hurt, even though this stings a little bit. And I have to tell you, that kind of sacrifice that, that moves me. That makes me feel like this is, this is what it looks like to give up for one another, to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put someone else's needs ahead of my own, and that is a beautiful thing. And so I thank you to everyone who has done that, who has stuck it out even when they felt frustrated. What about in our families? What about with our kids even? You know, I know that I'm sure, I can't count how many times I've said, well, just do it because I said so. But at the same time, if we are leading our kids well, we have to stop and listen to them. We have to be considering their needs. We are, parents are not just meant to be authoritative and just to command things. Um, there is a time for that. But our children need to know too that they are heard, that they are valued, that they are seen, and that their voices matter, right? That, that we are willing to give up for them. What does that look like? Maybe in your career, in your um, wherever you may find yourself in a position of authority, do you view that authority as a, as a way to, um, to feel good about yourself or to make decisions? Or do you look at that and find ways to delegate authority, to say, hey, you know what, if I pass this on to someone else, maybe it's not gonna get done as well, but I'm gonna be able to build up someone else to encourage their gift. I see Michelle Dayton does that so beautifully in Roots here. I watched her give kids that responsibility of, of doing tech or of helping with, with music or singing. And she, does, she finds these beautiful ways to delegate and to give authority to other people so that she can raise them up in those gifts. And that's a beautiful thing. What is our default posture? Is it who's in charge here or who can I serve here? 
And I would speak even to, even if we look at, um, I, I even think about racial issues right now. And, and for so many of us, we may not even be aware sometimes of the privilege that we can have um, just because of our skin color, because of the way that the world works in our favor. And sometimes, sometimes it means that we need to recognize our privilege and recognize and listen to those who have lived a different story, a different perspective and say, what would it look like for me to lay down that privilege to lay down anything that would give me an advantage over someone else and say, all right, I wanna lift you up. I wanna build you up. I wanna maybe use the, the advantage that I have in some way to, to give that to someone else. There's so many ways if we look at this passage that we can find to serve and submit and to give to one another. And I'm gonna say it's, it's not easy. And that's part of the problem. Tom talked about unity last week and we're talking about love this week. And love and unity, they sound really, really beautiful, but they are the most costly things. They cost so much. And when it comes down to it, a lot of times it feels like loss, doesn't it? I think, I think that's why we read this passage and we look at submission and giving up and the enemy gets into this conversation and he starts planting a seed in our head that says, you know, you submit, give up. Oh man, you're gonna be losing out. And you're gonna have to give up so much and you're gonna end up with nothing. You don't wanna do that. That's not the way to do it. And he convinces us that we're losing. But I wanna, I wanna make this point as we leave today. If you look at, at the the nature of God within himself, if even within the Trinity, there's constant giving up and submission and it in no way diminishes who God is, but in fact, it magnifies his glory all the more. God teaches us that when we give up and lay down and submit to one another, it is not subtraction, it is multiplication. And I see that here in this church and I see that whenever we live in such a way that we live sacrificially and give up for one another, it doesn't take away, it actually adds more. In fact, I heard my uncle Bruce Martin spoke many years ago on a message on marriage and he said, he said we like to think that you know, we kind of give 50% and someone else gives 50%. He's like, no, you give 100% and they give 100%. And sometimes, sometimes someone's not gonna be able to give quite as much and we, we cover that with what we can give. And sometimes we're not gonna be able to give quite as much in a season of our lives and someone else's serving will, will cover us as well. In the body of Christ, when we submit to one another, it is not a loss. It is a multiplication as each one does its part. And so my prayer for us as, as leaders in our churches, in our marriage, in our families, with our friends, in our work, that we would be the first to lay down, that we would be the first to honor one another's and ask God, not who's in charge here, but who can I serve here? And God, thank you so much. Um, I was just struck this week by um, this concept, God, that we can never know how much you gave up because we can never experience giving up um, our deity. We can never experience giving up um, being equal with God and becoming a human. God, you've taught us that, um, that true humility is costly, but we thank you for that example. We thank you for the vast love that you have for us and your willingness to give up everything for us. And we ask God that you'd give us that same spirit towards one another, that in our lives, uh, we would learn to be servants of others and always honoring you, God. And I pray that over these, this church and I pray that over us as individuals, lead us further into your way of love. Amen.